Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. We are Heather, Meredith, Dana, and Tracy, four women recovering out loud. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello and welcome to Four Sober Chicks podcast. I am Tracy and I am an alcoholic. And I am here today with Heather, Dana, and Meredith. And we're so happy to have you guys here today. We have a really fun topic or, you know, it's a, it's a good topic to talk about. Um, and that is intimacy in sobriety. So with that, um, I'm excited to talk to you ladies about it. Are you ready? I love it. Well, I, um, you know, as you guys know, I started Sexy is Sober and, uh, you know, I, 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 I found in my sobriety, this, um, this sensuality and sexuality that I, I think I always possessed, um, but when I drank, it came out not in a really great way. <laughs> and, um, and I really didn't know how to tame it or control it. Um, and, and I found myself in some really uh, interesting situations that I didn't feel good about. Um, so in sobriety, um, you know, it's the complete opposite for me. Um, it, is, it is somewhere that I have excelled at you know, being completely present um, is just, is just amazing, you know, to be intimate. And it's more than just sex, right? Um, being intimate with connection, communication, touch, uh, feeling, you know, all these things that alcohol for me numbed pretty much. Um, and there's studies on that, you know, scientific, we can get into that, but, you know, how they actually numb us down there um, and around so that we don't feel those sensations and that, um, and that, you know, wonderfulness, I think, um, that we can share with, with someone else or ourselves even. Um, so yeah, so with that, I'll kind of kick it off and see, you know, I, I think we all have some different histories here too, uh, which I think our listeners will benefit from, um, you know, um, so Heather, how about you? I know I, Heather, you're married. I'm married. Yeah. I've been married for what is 23 years um wow congratulations that's amazing <laughs> thank you <laughs> um yeah so you know I've been with my with my husband through this whole journey of like getting sober and everything like that and and um intimacy for me in sobriety has been tough it really has and it, it has nothing to do with you know my safety or the way I feel with my partner because he is the person I feel the most safe with. He is my rock. He is the the man that I love, you know. So none of those things were our component in this for me. But what I discovered in um, the whole process of getting sober is that I had used alcohol my entire life with all of my sexual experiences. You know, maybe a handful I was sober, but. You know, and it wasn't that I was trashed all the time, but like, hey, you know, we go out for a nice dinner, we have a couple glasses of wine, and I did not realize the impact of those couple of glasses of wine on me, and 
how hard that is for me now that I don't have them. And I still, after five years, haven't fully gotten to a place where I'm completely comfortable. I have a lot of anxiety. You know, I am like a sexual abuse survivor. I'm a sexual trauma survivor. I have a long history of, of these things. I put myself, again, like I went, you know, sexual trauma survivors can, can be very promiscuous and some can be very um, withdrawn sexually. I was very promiscuous, but it was always under the influence of alcohol. And so, um, you know, I, I had put myself also in some really dangerous situations when I was younger and single. And as you guys know from my story, I was also assaulted as an adult married woman, you know, um, because I put myself in a really dangerous situation with somebody who I thought was a friend or, you know, like, cause I wanted to stay out and drink all night and, um, you know, and, and that other person didn't have the same, um, idea, you know? So for me, it's very convoluted, even though the person, my partner is someone who I feel so safe with. And a lot of it is that I can't shut the brain off you know I just can't get calm and at peace to be able to tune into some of the things that you're talking about um and it sucks it really sucks because I don't want him ever to think that it's about him or me not wanting to have that experience with my husband and and um because it's not that it's just that I cannot get to a place where I'm relaxed and comfortable and present I'm always somewhere else so mm-hmm. it's something that I've been working on yeah and do you feel like when you do you feel then that that alcohol helped that yes to be? because alcohol alcohol tuned down the voices mm-hmm. alcohol allowed me to become uninhibited where I'm very inhibited because of my experiences I think so I was able to be free. I was able to be mm-hmm. wild. I was able to experiment. I was able to be spontaneous. And without that, I haven't learned how to do that as well yet. Um, because I still is there so things that you're, head. yeah, are there things that you're doing? Um, and obviously, I mean, you're communicating with your husband or your partner mm-hmm. um, and he's sounds very supportive and loving and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that right there is intimacy. Um, if so, what, um, I mean, are you doing anything in particular to help, you know, step through that and keep moving forward and, and to maybe come to that place? Is it getting easier through time or do you see some changes and benefits from it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I definitely work on it in my, in my therapy sessions. It's something that, you know, I talk about with my therapist. Um, I think what I need to do, which is kind of my next step is to do some more body work, meaning that like in terms of my trauma recovery, like I need to do some more integration. I've done a lot of the cognitive stuff, but I haven't done as much of the body-based work so I live here you know and so and where's that if where's in that my head in my head okay 
I live yeah. in my head. I don't live in my body. Um, and so that's kind of where I need to start to do that next level of work, I think. For yeah, me. because I think, yeah, and that could start with maybe touch um, and more of the senses of that way to stimulate that. And, and by keeping stimulants out of that area or that realm or that safe space with your husband, you know, I, I, I feel you can trust yourself more to know if something doesn't feel good or something does feel good. Um, if you're like, okay, I've had, you know, this is good for now. Um, so yeah, I love what you're saying. Thank you. Absolutely. And I will I your- say to Heather, give yourself space and time. You know, I mean, it's, I've been sober for eight years and I feel like the last two have been where I've gotten to a different level when it comes to that. So give yourself grace and space to, I mean, it's okay. Like, I feel like, cause for me growing up, I was a very, I don't want to say promiscuous cause I wasn't promiscuous but I always had a drive. And then it's funny because when I was drinking, there was no association with why I had a problem, right? So I was like, I love to drink. Like that's was it. So I didn't think that it was suppressing emotions or tuning out those voices or even triggers, you know, like sexual triggers to where when I quit drinking, it was if I smelled alcohol on my husband's breath, it was an uncontrollable urge. Then that was the first time I ever phrased that as a, as a trigger. And I was like, this is intense. Like my husband is a very fit, big guy. And I felt like I could have beat him up. Like that was how just intense I, I started to feel. But for me, it was never a... I didn't have a mind body connection. It was all about the physicality and it was nothing to do with the emotional connection in intimacy. It was about the act, you know, and not the mental space that I was honestly <laughs> through my drinking years not having. And that is what I had to get really used to of all the things going through my head and then trying to be. I mean, there's so much that you have to focus on. You're trying to connect with your partner. You're trying, I mean, even on dates where you're holding hands and talking about things, like I completely cut off my emotional connection to all that stuff. And so that was my biggest hurdle. And that's when I realized I was like, oh my God, I drank to get all of that out and just do, you know, like it was the physicality of, I just... And here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I didn't even think about it. So I I do feel at the end of the day, it takes time. And thank God, just like you, Heather, I have a very patient partner and husband um, to where I am so fortunate um, that he is as patient as he is. But he also knows that he is along with me for this journey. Um, And baggage and marriage is part of that (laughs) so um I totally I totally hear what you mean but give yourself that grace yeah I love it what about you Dana yeah it's kind of what I needed to hear um 
I'm only, you know, two years into this journey and this adventure, and um, it's been very difficult. It's, I, I feel exactly what Heather and, and Meredith have felt. I, I don't, I don't want to say I, ha I didn't have any sexual trauma. I think I did. I just, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to look at it like that. And because I, I, I'm still at that point where I feel guilty feeling that way, that it's, that it was trauma. You know, I was 15 when I had my first sexual encounter and it was pretty much forced upon me. Um, <clears throat> but like he was my boyfriend. So, you know, isn't that the way it's supposed to be kind of thing? Um, you know, and it, and then it, it, it got to the point where, I mean, I didn't start drinking till I was 40. So all of that time up until that point, sex for me was, that's how I got the man, you know, is, is okay. Well, if I sleep with him, then he'll like me, then he'll be my boyfriend or husband or whatever. Um, you know, and then I started drinking and found out that I could be very open and not care <laughs> about experimenting and doing things that I don't think I would normally do. There was, there was this deep part of my sexuality that I actually enjoyed, but I needed to drink to do it. Right. Um, and <clears throat> haven't done that since I've been sober. <laughs> um, and I'm also dealing with some menopause issues sexually as well. Um, there's a huge issue of pain right now for me with, mm -hmm. with sex after menopause. So like all of you, I am extremely grateful and lucky to have somebody in my life, my husband, who is very patient, very understanding, very loving. Um, we are intimate on every other level, you know, when it comes to emotional and talking and holding hands and spending time together and all of that other intimacy is there. Um, it's just the sexual part that I'm like, I'm afraid of the, I'm afraid of the pain. So I'm even afraid just to even have sex <laughs> at this point. Um, but it's, it's also like, well, if I was drinking, I wouldn't probably feel that so much. So, you know what I mean? So there's that where I'm a level of where Heather is like where I'm living in my head, you know, and it's all the what ifs going on. And, and I think that tenses up my body and it tenses up the thought of not being prepared for a lack of a better word <laughs> of going into a, a sexually intimate situation. Um, so I'm very thankful to hear that, that along, along this journey that it, you know, with the work, um, emotionally and mentally that it may come back. Right. And I, that I, is the key. Yeah. That I want word. It to come back. <laughs> I'm it sure takes my husband work. does. <laughs> what word? It takes work. <clears throat> I say work. It does, like you have just, to work at this. You yeah, have just to like our sobriety. Oh, you have to physically and mentally work at so many different aspects you do. of sobriety um, on literally a daily basis to yeah. where if you're not willing to put in that work, that's where you're going to not see a lot of progress. And I, and I, I have it like here. A, mm -hmm. I have it here because it's like with my sobriety, I feel almost like I have to work at one thing at a time. 
and not make it perfection each thing that I'm working through, but I can't focus on three or four or five different things where my life is completely fucked up because of my drinking and make it all better all at once. I've got to, I got to give each, each thing it's, it's undivided attention to work through. And this one just is not at the top of my list. It may be for my husband, but it's not for me. And I don't know if that's good or bad, right? Meredith, like what you were saying, I don't, I don't know if that, because I, I feel like some people that, you know, you start suppressing, you start not having sex, you start doing, and then it's just, it becomes, that becomes normal. And I don't, I don't think that's fair to my partner that that's, normal now but, yeah. but here's the thing you you're you just saying that you don't think that that's fair that's going to be motivation for you enough just knowing right. your personality to be like how do i how do i work on that to become x y and z right you know what i mean like you're you're that's already at the forefront for you and nothing about sobriety is easy like at all it is the hardest thing i've ever done in my life eight years later it is yeah. hard because it brings all these other things that come up that you're like, oh, didn't even think about that. Like every single aspect of my life has been impacted by my drinking. Every single, like my relationships, family, kids, money, finances, intimacy, like you name it. And it has had an impact, big or small, it's still there. Yeah. So I think- it's not because everyone's like, oh, you're sober. It must be so nice. And I'm like, you have no idea. Like it's, a, it feels amazing. And I know that I'm doing the right thing, but mm-hmm. it is hard work every day. And it's all up here. If you're not tough up here, I mean, <laughs> that's, I have to mentally work on my mental game all the time. I think that's a, that's a good one for another episode is the mental toughness mm-hmm. of what we need to get through on a daily basis, because that's, that's the, the biggest struggle right now for me personally. Yeah. And it's funny. I was just saying, I was saying something to my sister this morning about how, you know, I'm just exhausted from, you know, the things that go on in my head. Right. And this is not sex related. It's, but it actually, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's triggered by relationships. Um, but I'm like, and I think I wrote my journal, but I'm strong and I'm strong. I'm, a, I'm strong because I'm, ta- I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding. You know, I'm still sober today. I'm talking about it. I'm, I'm, and like Meredith and all of us know, I mean, sobriety is not easy. Um, and it's, uh, but it's a choice that we've made. Nobody's forcing us to do it. And we're making this decision and, and then we're, we're succeeding at that because we're strong. We're sober strong. And we're, you know, and whatever realm that is, you know, if you're spiritually fit or if you're, you know, whatever your you know, program is or the help that you're getting. So. Well, I mean, we, and we're also dealing with things. We're dealing with life. Yes. So yeah, like yes. it is complicated. It is hard, but we're dealing with it. We're working through it. I didn't before. Right. I just, you know, numbed and disconnected and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I do know like, like you guys just it, yeah, it's gonna take time because I for 41 years I didn't drink at birth, but I did start drinking at 15. Um, you know, so mentally that's where kind of I have to grow up from 15 to you know, whatever. I don't want to be 40, whatever I am. 
So mentally, I want to, <laughs> I'll stick somewhere. I don't know where it will, but I do have to like, you know, I have to parent the, the child that was abused. I have to parent the child that went through all of the things that my child went through myself and, um, and feel safe and all of these things. And then, you know, the next layer is like learning how to be an empowered and sexual being where it's not being used as a tool no. to manipulate. And that's how I used it. Like I did use it for, um, yeah, I don't, not, not as a weapon, but as a tool, you know, and, and, um, and so how, you know, I think in my head too, I'm, I'm a little confused about like, what does empowered sexuality look like? because mine was very manipulative, right? So, you know, like I used it in a very different way. And so how do I, how does that look now? What do I want that to look like? Um, For me, it's, it's, there's a term called sex positive. And that's where I feel one of my colleagues on this, you know, in this, in this platform or in this world is because I love, I love love. And I, I really am open to anyone and everyone's love and preference and sexuality and, and exploring that and, and respecting that um, as long as it's healthy um, and, and they feel good and it's, it's bringing value to their life and to themselves um, and it's nurturing and, and, and good, um, positive, right? So to be able to, you know, I was, I started this platform. I was very confused. It's, you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do it. And that's, and, and I was having a conversation with someone, another influencer and they're like, oh, well, you're, you're sex positive. And I'm like, I look at that up, you know, and I'm like, oh, I am. And so to be sober sex positive, I think even more so, because I really want to, I really want people to be able, especially young people uh, to start you know, we all have been, well, we've been in those situations where you're at parties and you're drinking too much, or, or you know, or, or you do start to rely on that one drink or two drinks on a date uh, to, you know, to kind of loosen up. But for me, what, what, what that did, or maybe the way I drank as an alcoholic, it was it totally, my inhibitions went totally down. And I made judgments and I made calls that I would have never made being completely sober or present. Um, so, so for me, sexually, I'm so much more empowered in sobriety because I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm making that choice 110%. And that's the choice to say no, or that's the choice to say yes. Um, you know, we, I, was at a, I was out the other night and talking to some girlfriends and they're saying one night stands, those are empowering. And I'm like, well, they are if you're sober. And I'm the only sober person there. You know, they're all drinking and that's fine. But but they kind of thought about that and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, when's the last time you had a one night stand? You chose to have a one night stand sober, you know? So, it, and if you, so, you know, more power to everybody that does it. I just really want to, I, I just think it's just so much better because you're there, you know, and, and you can, you can, and, and, and you're there to, even if I'm hearing here, you know, I'm here, you're there to say, no, this doesn't feel good and I'm not going to do it. You know, I need to love you and be intimate this way. I'm not ready, but dousing it with alcohol and, you know, we drank to be ready, but we weren't, you know? So it's, um, so that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from and, and what I'm, 
so much happier with myself. Um, and I, I, and I feel, and so the sexy part too, for me is, is with alcoholics, with recovering alcoholics, to me, there's nothing sexier than an honest person, you know, somebody owning who they are and then working hard to manage it and to become better. And, and that to me is, that's all of you here today. That's our listeners. You know, I mean, it's, so to me, sobriety is super sexy. And that's because of the traits that, you know, that we all have to do it. Yeah. Waking up hang, hungover free, not throwing up. I mean, all yeah. of them. I was a mess. <laughs> well, and I'm, I mean, think back to it. I mean, you could include intimacy or, or sex into this, but I remember all the times when I was really drunk, not just like my normal, you know, four bottles of wine, but when I was hammered the next morning, I always woke up with regrets. It never failed yeah. to where I have yet. I mean, I may wake up regretting being like, oh, that sucks. Like my friend and I got in a little fight yesterday, but again, I was all with it mentally. I made those decisions consciously. You know, I have not woken up with insane regrets in eight years, um, which has been huge because that just adds that added level of stress, anxiety, depression. So you, alcohol, we've always talked is that vicious cycle, you know, to where you do it you feel this way. And then you're like, I don't want to feel this anymore. You go back down, come back up, go back down. And it, it can literally, before you know it, you've been through that cycle for years and you're just now being like, holy crap, I'm noticing that this is something that I'm doing. But again, none of that came clear to me until I wasn't drinking anymore. Um, but I, for me, a lot of verbal communication was also a big, um, I would say in an intimate setting. Um, whereas when I had alcohol, I was like, whatever. And then yeah. when I didn't, I was like, like oh my God, talk? I actually have to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was just thinking about. Like in terms of intimacy, I mean, it's not just physical intimacy. Obviously. No. Oh, come up. I'm such a better partner. I mean, and that part, like, like you, Dana, like, Yes, my husband and I have a have it in spades in that area. We can communicate. I also, I was a horrible person when I was drunk, when I would get in fights. And I would just, I was vicious. I'm very verbally articulate and I can really go for somebody's jugular. And I did that on a regular basis. And, you know, it, that whole thing of like, oh, you speak the truth when you're drunk. or No, I don't think you do. You just don't give a shit how the other person, like now I actually care. And yeah. I want to have communication and I want to hear what my partner has to say. And I want to like reach an agreement. I just wanted to win and be like, just go for your jugular. And like, so I'm a better partner and I'm a better communicator and I'm a better um, overall human being. And so those things definitely are, are kind of all part of that. Right. Like, I don't I love, make Absolutely. Worse, I love that. You know? yeah. 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 Well, and I, so I want to. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Meredith. I was going to say, I had to come up with a way to verbally articulate. And it wasn't like a, if you drink, we're not having sex. Um, it was a, you need to know that when I am sober and you have a couple drinks, 
it literally, like I had to explain why it was such a trigger. And so I was like, I have, you have to understand that in the event you do maybe want to tie one on, maybe it's okay that we're not intimate that night. I was like, cause that's well, a Meredith, really hard space for well, me. That's to a in my well, house. and that's a big, and that's a big turnoff for me. And I just recently, I'm in a partnership now, but go, I've been single for a while. And, you know, I went through this whole thing. Am I only going to date people that don't drink, you know? Um, uh, but regardless, and even now in my partnership, I will, I, if, if he, cause he's a drinker, he's not an alcoholic, but he's a drinker. If he's drunk, uh, no, I mean, one, it's hard for him to, to be able to perform when, you know, I mean, a yeah. lot of men are hard to perform when they, and, but to me, it's like, no, I mean, I, I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. It's not, it's not attractive to me. It's not sexy and it's not, um, it's not going to be a really good experience for me. Um, so we've talked about that. So I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's never happened because he's never gotten, you know, shit faced like that, which is great. Um, but definitely when I was single and I was dating, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Um, I, I mean, just no, because, you know, a lot of times on those dates, you know, I would, they, we'd meet at a bar and I'd be like, that's fine, you know, because I'd order my mocktail, but then they were shocked. Uh, you know, like, what, you don't drink? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, so, damn it. You know, I know. And so, but then, you know, I mean, they could still get lucky if they were great, but, you know, uh, the, it limited, pretty much slowed down their drinking. And, and I could tell by the end of the night if those were heavy drinkers, if the mm -hmm. men were heavy drinkers, or if they were just normal drinkers. Um, because the majority of the time with the heavy drinkers, the whole conversation around was around me not drinking. Um, so they were just fascinated <laughs> right. by that. Yeah, people, like, they, can't, okay. they can't wrap their head around it. Like, and I couldn't either. Yeah. It made me, I had someone come over in my house, two people come over in my house and they didn't drink. It made me so uncomfortable. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. understand um, it. I, my, my ex and I would not, we were like, we didn't, we thought people were weird that didn't drink. You know, like, oh God, there's, you know, there's something there. They're, they're, you know, and it's just like, wow, like just so close-minded. And yeah. as we're drinking and getting, dr yeah, getting dr drunk and, and we weren't going to go to dry weddings and things like that. You know, it's just, there's so much more to life than drinking, you know, I mean, so much more. And um, but yeah, so something I want to kind of touch base that I've heard from all three of you and and I can definitely, and it, may, it very saddens me, uh, actually, that all four of us, I believe in this, in this podcast, has been either sexually assaulted or um, taken advantage of, um, either under the influence or not under the influence. And that is just sad. Um, yeah. My thing with, I was actually, I was, the, the one that I think about most, I was actually very drunk at the time when I was sexually assaulted. Um, I, and I really took a lot of blame for that so much so that I did not share that uh, information or that experience uh, with the one person that should have known about it. And that could have probably helped me. And, um, and that, that was my husband at the time. Um, he later found out, but, um, but uh it, but he didn't when it happened. And then I, and I truly think that that is what spiraled me more into um, drinking more and all that stuff. Um, so my, my question to you guys is, did you, if, if it occurred while you were drinking, did you feel like it was maybe your fault because you were drunk and you had put yourself in that place? And yeah, I told my husband I cheated on him. 
I accepted full responsibility for it because I thought it was my fault, even though, um, I mean, my, my role was hanging out with somebody I shouldn't have been hanging out with. My role was, I, you know, did kiss this individual and I should not have, you know, so that part I did have to, and did and do accept responsibility for, but I was also very clear that nothing else was going to happen. I was, I didn't want anything else. Um, and said no and all of those things. Um, and I also was to the point of, um, there are points of the evening I don't remember. So that was the degree to which I was intoxicated. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, and Dana's Zoom has crashed, so that's where she is at the moment. But, you know, our society has created situations where people think that that's okay. If, if the female or the or whoever actually it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters gender wise that one person is so inebriated that that's still okay. You know, and like, we need to start raising children and, and changing that message that like, no, it's not okay. Like, it's not okay to be, if, if you're with someone that is that intoxicated, you need to not have sex because that person is not able to consent you know, and that's like that we have to, we have to really understand and change that whole dialogue, you know. Or maybe um, we have the dialogue where, yeah, where you should, I mean, maybe we should start saying you don't need alcohol to enjoy sex. You yeah, don't need to have any stimulants to be, you know, in a space where, you know, where you're going to be you know, in that position or intimate, but I think, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of us don't even know we're going to be in that position <laughs> when we go out to drink. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it, because that's something that maybe alcohol, I know did to me, it turned me into this, like, you know, very promiscuous and flirtatious and, and just, woo, you know, let's party and let's feel good. And like this, you know, and, and, and putting myself in some situations where I didn't even think, um, but, uh, but so Heather, how did it, and you, you went to your, I mean, it sounds to me like your partner was super supportive and, and I know that mine, when he did find out he was so, I mean, he did not blame the alcohol. He didn't handle it the way that I thought he was going to handle it. You know, now this was, you know, two years later and we were in a much better space, but you know, it was, uh, I don't know, you know, but sadly I never gave him the opportunity to handle it with me, you know? So and that was because I was just so ashamed of, because drinking was already a little bit of a problem in our relationship anyway. So I, you know, I was like, and I was just, I just, I blamed myself. I felt horrible. And I just, and I, I think too, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to admit it. Mm -hmm. so. so for me, um, it almost ended our marriage. Um, I went into treatment with, you know, I went to rehab like within a week of telling him what had happened. Um, and it was when I was in treatment that I was able, and I started to clear my head that I was able to see and with therapy and with other perspectives, able to see, cause this is the thing I was, I didn't give two shits about myself anymore. I had no self-esteem, I had no self-worth. Yeah. So, I just took it all on. It's all my responsibility. I'm a terrible person. I'm unlovable. And I did this horrible thing. So it wasn't until 
treatment that I was able to unravel like, okay, no, the reality of the situation is that um, I was preyed upon by someone. Um, this was a, this was something that was put in place over a couple weeks. This was not a, you know, like, this is what this person's intention was. I was just not aware of it. Um, I can be responsible for one part of it, but not all of it, you know? Um, and there were things that were broken in our relationship that I was seeking mm -hmm. through alcohol and through attention and all of those things. And so we just, we made a commitment to work on it. We made a commitment to work through it, you know? Um, That's we, intimacy, babe. Yeah, That's beautiful. absolutely. Created the list of what, you know, what are, and just like I do with recovery plans, what are the behaviors that are totally not acceptable? If I start going to bars every weekend and I'm not coming home and I'm deleting texts or I'm doing shady shit, like, you know, then yeah, I'm, I'm slipping back into that same thing with like, with the alcohol. So, um, you know, I think marriages can survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you communicate. Exactly. Exactly. So, and it was something, and we worked, we work on it. We wanted yeah. that. You know, that, that experience of mine, it did not sober me up. It, it, that, that was not my breaking point. Should have so, broke me. So I, but I understand everybody gets to a different place that they, yeah. you know, but that, I wish me, it, uh, yeah. yeah. Isn't that wild that we think about, you know, that maybe that's an episode too. Like what was your break? You know, what was the moment or the time that actually shook you to, to, to accept that we were alcoholics, you know, but that was not, unfortunately, my time. Yeah, yeah, well, we all have, yeah, definitely. Great conversation, though. Good. I'm so happy you guys are opening up and talking about it. I am, you know, I, I love sex. I think it's a, it's a healthy, positive, beautiful thing, um, you know, either, and I think it does, but in sobriety, too, and what I've learned is, is, is when you truly, you, in sobriety, you start to love yourself again. And that's when I feel like you can truly then love others. Um, and you can do that in a, um, in, in an intimate way that is not, you know, just sex. And, and I, you know, I, I commend you guys for sharing your experience with it today, especially coming from, from a different background than mine. So thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else want to say anything about it or? I mean, I feel like we could talk for a really long time about it. <laughs> well, maybe we'll come back to this. Uh, we'll circle back. I think there's a lot here. And I think our, our four experiences are very common in this world, you know? And so um, I think our struggles too of, are also very common because, how you know, we're not alone and no one else is alone. No. We're not well, alone. And I mean, and that's something I learned about the three of you today and that we've been through uh, some very similar experiences. So, which saddens me, honestly, but I'm happy that we're here together talking about it. Hopefully that'll change for more women and men. Well, and I will be honest when I, because um, there's consistently people who will instant message me. And one of their big questions is, what do you do if 
you decide to not drink anymore, but your significant other does. I mean, that's a huge question for a lot of people. Um, what do you say, Meredith, to them? I just explain what, how ours went, but again, I can't tell them that this is what you need to do. Um, but I tell them that it is possible. You just both have to be on the same page and communication is key. You know, like he has to know where limits are and boundaries are. And it's really important for you in sobriety to create those boundaries or that in my personal opinion, that is where relapse will happen is, is when you do not have firm boundaries on a, on a lot of things, but you have someone so close to you who, you know, in the event, they're not a supportive spouse. I I was like, I can't tell you what would happen. I honestly don't know, but what I do know. Oh, go ahead. I think we should make this our topic for next, next week. Okay. Like let's pick this up there because I also run into this a lot and I run into a lot with, with newly sober individuals and, you know, that partner dynamic is huge. huge. So, um, yeah, why don't we? And I can bring, uh, yeah, the dating. And I can bring the perspective of, yeah, the dating and and then and then being in a new relationship because I think mm-hmm. when you all got sober, were you married, or mm-hmm. were you you were with your existing partners? Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, they've seen they've seen you drunk or active, and now they've seen you sober. I'd love to talk more about that, and then how it's you know how that's been part of your relationship. Um, and then from my perspective, going through the ups and downs, like, am I only going to date sober men? Am I only going to date, you know, I definitely know I'm not going to date alcoholic men. (laughs) That was for sure. And then in this new relationship, which is so amazing, but, but yeah, we can talk more about it because there's, there's some insecurities that are coming up and it's about my drinking, my not drinking and he's a drinker, you know, and it's, um, so yeah, I think it's really, that would be fun. All right. Well, that's what our topic is for next week. So why don't you close right. us, uh, close up the conversation for us today, Tracy? Well, I just wanted to thank all of you. It was really fun. It was great to have everyone here listening. We so appreciate your time. And um, we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.